What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. This episode is brought to you by a landlocked naval officer who needed a new hobby outside of drinking snobby IPAs. Thank you, Mark. Okay, so starting off real quick, we have a couple of brand new patrons out there on Patreon, and we want to give them a shout out. So a huge welcome and thank you to Martin D., Simone W., and Derek R. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon family. We greatly appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess first and foremost, happy birthday, Mr. Ken. Happy belated birthday at this point, I guess. Yeah, it was yesterday, but yeah, yeah, I'm twenty. Uh, I'm twenty-two again. Twenty-two again. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think this might be the fourth time. No, it ain't. It's only no. <laughs> All right. So for your birthday, Ken. Okay. You you got tons of comments and everything out there I on Facebook that. and Instagram, and uh, you know everybody wanted to make sure that you were were doing well and wanted to wish you a happy birthday. And there were some ones that uh, I went through and looked at that I thought were just absolutely hysterical. Um, so Ralph sent you one that is uh, it's a snapshot of basically like the old school Sesame Street crew. Mm-hmm. And it says, happy birthday. Today we're going to learn the letters O, L, and D. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. I thought that one was just absolutely great. Uh, let's see. There was a couple of people out there that did think that you were indeed going to turn 21 again. And uh, they wanted to know what you were going to do first since how you were, you know, all young and, and fit again. And, uh, of course, the answer to that was buy more bees. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I'm not having to buy them because they're swarming so damn hard this year. That is true. You're, you're, yeah, getting more bees would, would be the. got to go pick up another one. That's true. And well, and see, that was the one of the one of the listeners said for your birthday, you should go and get yourself some more bees. And of course, obviously, you're going to go pick up another colony on Monday. So <laughs> get, get more bees. Yeah. And technically, I guess, recording wise, you're going to go pick up another colony today because <laughs> that's when they're going to be listening to it. So um, you had, you know, uh, the the 21 again, that did pop up again. The the 1540 podcast did mention, you know, that you were 21 again. Um, and uh, there was just a little side note there that it is definitely 21, but don't forget the couple dozen years of experience that go along with that. Yeah. I don't think I want to <laughs> be 21 again because when I was 21, I was bulletproof and invisible. Invisible or invincible? <laughs> no, invisible. I was bulletproof and invisible. <laughs> okay. So nobody could see you and you couldn't hurt you. Um, so, you know, being 21 again would not be a bad thing if you had the knowledge and memories that you have now. Yeah, that would be all right. Yeah. Now, if you just went back to be 21 again and, and you were literally just like rewound and you're at 21 and you don't have any clue of what occurred afterwards, then maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I would go back to 30, though. Um, I'd be okay with that, regardless if I knew what I knew now or not, <laughs> but not 21. <laughs> 30, yeah, that would be, I had a car when I was in my 30s that would run 190 miles an hour, a Carvette, 
And the only reason I knew it because I took it to 187. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yikes. That's all we'll say. I'll, I won't go any further. And my wife made me get rid of that real quick. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I've had, uh, I grew up on muscle cars. That was kind of my dad's big thing, and it uh, transferred over. And so I drove sports cars and muscle cars all the way up to uh, the end of my first year of beekeeping because at that point I was getting far enough into the removals and everything else that uh, you couldn't exactly put a beehive in the back of a Camaro. So (laughs) so I had to switch over and get a pickup truck. Um, But yeah, so we we all decided to band together and get you uh, a couple of gifts and you know, since how you can't physically see what's going on here because we are separated by time and space thanks to COVID, um, I will go through and explain to you, I'm going to mansplain you <laughs> what the gifts are. <laughs> so the first one is three sessions with a impulse control counselor (laughs) to help you with your impulse needs on uh, immediately buying anything you see and also, you know, the the impulse to constantly get newbies. So we're going to try to help you tame that down a little bit. So you get three sessions with an impulse control counselor. The other thing is we went ahead and got you a membership to HBAA, which is the Honeybees Anonymous Association. Um, it can also be the Bee Addiction Association. And uh, and I want you to practice with me on this. So, you know, just like any time you go to like an, an addiction anonymous type scenario, um, you'll, you'll have to go through, you'll have to repeat after me. So you start off and you're going to say, you know, hello, my name is Ken Milam. I got to say that. You got to say it. Oh, hello, my name is Ken Milam. And I have an addiction. I'm addicted to honeybees. I have an addiction. I'm addicted to honeybees and and mead. And me, you're not addicted to mead. <laughs> no, I just messing with you. Um I just thought it was funny because that that kind of was the common theme like everybody out there all the jokes about uh you know, if I had as many hives as Ken and and if I grew as fast as you did and got all your bees and and you know, of course the the whole first season of this show um was not on the air necessarily, but you know, just you and I's friendship and relationship. Most of it was you calling me asking me what you should do when in reality you had already done it. And a lot of times that was buying things online <laughs> in multiple quantities. Much, yeah. uh, so between between buying all the toys and gadgets and, you know, ordering a ton of packages out of nowhere, uh, I thought that you could potentially use a little bit of uh, impulse control help. <laughs> you know, we did find something out out of all of that. Oh, yeah? What was that? The first two packages I got, I won't mention the name. Those two packages are going crazy. The other nine are taking their time to grow. Well, there's not. See, that's the one of the things that we're trying to impart to you is that it's okay to take your time and go slowly with the natural course of things. I want them bees to grow, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> oh, 
See, I mean, this is why you need the impulse control. <laughs> one of those, one of those high bunches, well, that package. We've put a double. We've got two mediums on top of it, and the other one. We've got a medium on top of it. Now the other packages, which is basically the same age, they're still in their brood box. Now, well, and that's. That's normal, though, and that that's the whole point, though, is a, a lot of times, yes, every once in a while, you do have an exceptional colony that will just explode and grow and do amazing, but the average, when you start with a package, is your only goal that year is to fill up your 10 or 8 frame deep box. That's it. Mm-hmm. They, they, a lot of times, are going to overwinter in that deep box. So getting to the second box, that is an overachievement. That's great. And getting a box above that, even a third box, is a lot of times unheard of. It does happen, but it's few and far between. And that is not the standard. That is not what everybody should expect. And so I don't want any of our listeners out there to feel like their bees are inadequate because they're in a 10-frame box, the season's coming to an end, and, and they're still working on the ninth or 10th frame. That is normal. That's where they should be for starting off in that first year. And mine ain't there because just those two uh, have blew up. Now, the other boxes, they may have three or four that they have cleaned up and using out of eight. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's the comb that we got in there. We're going to start changing comb out next year. I'm going to start pulling comb and, and letting them draw their own. John's been telling me, Ken, you don't have to buy comb all the time. Uh, I think he might be right. Yep. Um, now, you have mentioned you – and uh, our listener, David, actually has some. And Sue in Australia sent a link about it. There is some stuff out there. I want to say it's called Better Comb. And it's it's artificial synthetic wax. It's not beeswax. And it is supposedly food and pharmaceutical safe and approved and it is fully drawn cells of comb in a wax foundation basically the whole thing is this synthetic wax Um, but when you order it it is in american u.s dollars it is 55 dollars for 10 sheets of this fully drawn comb you don't get frames you don't get wire you don't get anything else and you're meant to Put this into the center of a deep frame, and then preferably you either need to use the wax pins that you push through the holes on the sides, which kind of look like a bobby pin for a a lady's hair, Um, or you wire the frame and then you actually have it hooked up to one of the apparatuses that will heat the wire so the wire melts into the comb, and then you embed the comb there. And the reason that you would want to do the embedding of the wire is because Otherwise, if you use it for a honey frame, you cannot extract it uh, unless it's got that wire foundation in the center to help hold it together. Otherwise, the extractor will will blow it apart. It'll blow it out, um, and that's bad. So anyhow, there's been a lot of people out there that are questioning, like, hey, what about this stuff? Because I want to be like Ken, and I need to have drawn comb. And there are some instances where drawn comb does come in handy. Having a frame or two of drawn comb to put in with a package 
helps them get started and helps them get going. Having a frame or two of drawn comb to put into a colony when the colony is getting close to potentially wanting to swarm helps out. Putting it into a nuke when you first put it in a box and giving them some open space to expand into helps out. Because again, if a colony is wanting to swarm, giving them a box of empty, undrawn frames and foundation isn't anything to the bees. It's null and void. It doesn't mean anything. But giving them a frame of open, drawn comb that they can immediately utilize to lay eggs and brood in, that tells them they still have space. So there's advantages to this, but... I still have a few reservations. <laughs> um, I think that there could be a lot of pros to it, number one. Number two, and David might be able to attest to this. Uh, I'll have to have him send me uh, his his review of it, and we can go back on one of the episodes, and I'll, I'll kind of recant his review. But when you melt the wire down into the comb... If you do that with wax foundation, you're just doing it with foundation and you barely embed the wax into the wire and then the bees draw the comb out over the top of it. So the comb is still whole, right? But when you melt fully drawn comb into this wire foundation, you're going to be cutting the cells all the way across in two strips in the middle. And then if you've got wires going up and down, you're going to also be cutting the cells in the, the vertical direction as well. So that right there is... One concern, um, are the bees going to go through and are they going to repair that? The other concern is this is not beeswax. It's synthetic, which means you you can put it up in a honey super and you can let them fill it with honey and then you can extract it. But if you didn't put the wire foundation in there, your only option is crush and strain. You cannot use it for actual honeycomb that you're going to eat because, again, this is not beeswax. This is a synthetic product. It may not have the right texture. It may not, even though it says it's food safe and pharmaceutical safe, doesn't mean you should eat it. Um, so there's concern over that. And then the last little bit of concern is wax is supposed to be like the liver of the bees. It pulls all the toxins away from them and it absorbs all of that stuff into it. It pulls pesticides into it. It pulls chemicals into it. And it acts as this buffer system that helps purify and clean the hive, the food, and the larva. But this stuff being synthetic, will it do the same thing? Or is it basically some bastardized version of paraffin? You know, like, is it going to actually have a positive effect on the bees, or is it not going to pull these things away and could thereby make the colony more toxic? I don't know the answer to these things, but those are my concerns and questions well, as soon as they get the frames back that they, they don't have any frames with it in there you will know because i done planned on buying about 40 of them <laughs> <laughs> planned on or already have <laughs> no i haven't ordered them yet they don't have them uh they only got the wax and i don't want to use the wax because i've got plenty of frames oh. that, but they these are i see what frames you're saying with you're, the wax as soon as they them. yeah yeah, as soon as they start selling frames that already have the foundation in the center of it, it's then you're sold buy out some. right now. I didn't think they existed. They are. They do have them. Oh yes, they they're just sold out right now. Huh. Well, that would save a little bit of work on trying to embed the wire into it for mm -hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I just want to try it and and move it into those uh, boxes that have the uh, packages in there where I'm using that comb that. 
has been in the you know where he had that uh, gas in there to keep the wax moss from eating it up. So I just want to see if it makes a difference. I don't know. We'll find out. I know. Yep, only one way to find out. I know in the packages or the swarms when they go in there. If I leave a little bee space in there, a little space, they put comb hanging from the roof. They don't even mess with that. They'll put nectar in there, but they ain't gonna put. They ain't laying in that. So I'm sitting there. Is that's what's the matter with my bees? While they're having a hard time getting cranked up, but then I look at the two that got from the the first two I got that are just blowing up. Now I know. We don't know if they're an Italian Carniolan cross, but they're the prettiest little golden bees you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with the, the subrace of the bee, you know, if it has to do with the fact that it's got Italian in it or if it's all Italian or Italian Carniolan or if it has to do with, you know, just that those queens and that colony, like I'm not sure. Um, one of the things that you speculated on was that potentially that beekeeping operation might have used the same thing that the gentleman did that you bought the the frames from. And therefore, to those bees, they, that's all they've ever been raised in and experienced. So they are used to it. Um, and your other packages were not. And they were like, well, what the hell is this? And why does it stink? Um, which could be true. I don't know. You know, that's just something... <laughs> that's what makes this damn much fun <laughs> except so, it's not fun in the summertime when you got to put that suit on and it's a hundred out there <laughs> yeah but uh that's when beekeeping happens is uh you know spring and summer and uh winter when it's nice and cool that's that's when you got the time off yep yep and then uh uh you know mornings is when you get out and do anything and everything and yeah, you know, John says, Ken, you got to be careful when you're doing uh, uh, top bar rescue frames because that stuff is soft. And I got a feeling coming out of the ground Monday morning, that ground's going to be hot. That stuff is going to damn near be liquid. Nah, because the, the bees, the ground acts as insulation. So it's probably going to be nice and cool, actually. And the bees are going to keep the inside of that colony around 95 degrees. So it doesn't matter how hot the ground is or how cold the ground is. The bees are going to keep it around 95 degrees. <laughs> okay. That worked. Yeah. So going back a little bit, you had mentioned that uh, the whole putting the – basically it was your swarm traps. Mm -hmm. You had gone through and you did not fill the swarm traps all the way up with frames. Now – when you're doing a swarm trap, uh, it would be advisable, like we talk about putting a piece of comb in there to help lure bees to it to add bee smells and scents and things like that. So you've got one or two frames that have like old, dirty comb on yeah. them. Yeah. The rest of the container needs to be filled with frames. And what you did is you put like six frames in an eight frame box and left two spots open or left three spots open. And the bees, instead of starting off immediately laying brood in the wax that was put in there for them, or instead of drawing out new wax on the frames, they chose to build natural comb in the void, in the empty space over to the side. Yep. And you wanted to go through and take that out of there 
and potentially put it into some sort of rescue bar or frame. Mm -hmm. So when you asked me that originally, the best way to go through and handle that is if they are utilizing the Langstroth frames, if they're utilizing it, they're storing food, they're doing whatever, then get you an empty Langstroth frame that's the same size, so in this case a deep, and you're going to, if you don't have any that don't have foundation in them, simply pop the foundation out, easiest thing to do. Um, then you're going to build a the same version of a rescue bar like I talk about for the top bars, but you're going to build it onto the frame, and you'll get your hardware cloth, and you'll cut it into like a five square, if you count the actual squares, um, kind of a five square width. You'll start by stapling the first row of squares onto the top of the frame. Then you're going to crimp it and bend it so it comes down the side of the frame on the from the top bar of the frame staple it on the side, and then you're going to drop down one square's width, and then you'll crimp it again and, and curve it inward, and then cut the little extra tines out so that you actually have prongs to hold the comb on, and make yourself a rescue frame as opposed to a rescue bar. Then you can cut that comb out of the voided space that's attached to the roof mm-hmm. and press it into those wire tangs that are sticking out there, the prongs, Mm -hmm. so that it'll hold the comb at the top of that frame, and you can put it all in there nice and straight and get it lined up, and then you can take that frame and put it back in there so that as they finish drawing that comb out, it's going to be inside a frame. Now, it would be good, well, you won't necessarily need to write on it because you're going to have that wire mesh hooked on the top, so you're going to see it and know, yeah, you'll know this is foundationless comb, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but for everybody else, if you ever do mix things up and you've got some frames that are foundation and some frames that are wire and some frames that are empty, it definitely does you good to write on the top of the frames with a black marker and write on there, you know, foundation or wire or foundationless or, 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 uh, what I put on there is natural comb. And that way, if it ever does get cycled up into a box that's going to be capped honey and then be extracted at some point, you'll know as you're going through and pulling it because of what's written on the top of it, this one's got foundation, it can go in the extractor. This one's got wire, this one can go in the extractor. This one's natural comb, it cannot go in the extractor. It needs to be crush and strain. Or if it's beautiful, white, immaculate comb that can be used for uh, cut comb honey or honeycomb in the raw, then you can cut it out and put it into containers or whatever. So, but marking the tops of your frames comes in very, very, very handy. Um, yep. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Uh, one, go, go ahead. We're going to open up the, the first swarm that my brother got. And they, you know, I left the space in there and they went in there and did a hanging comb, two of them, and I put them on rescue uh frames and he's going to open it up this morning and see how much they feel out. we haven't opened it up since i put the rescue frame in there so uh you know we, well i'd say we hadn't opened it up i've lifted up and peeked in there but really haven't pulled the frame out and i could see they were filling it and so now we're going to pull it out this morning and see how big if they filled the whole frame full of comb and so and see what else they did with the others because i filled it up full of full of uh comb when uh i put that rescue frame in there and then i got to do more i got two more of those to do yeah 
Uh, I have come to the conclusion I don't think I'm going to have over 50 hives. Yeah? You think you're actually going to stop before you get there? Nah, I ain't going to stop. I got to get you up there and, and get you to help me do a, uh, either a sugar shake or, or on some of the smaller ones just to see. I got a feeling I may have a mite problem up there. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we... We did experience that last summer where there were some colonies that had uh, unacceptable mite counts in them. So that could be true. So there were there there was another incident and I will leave names and locations and stuff out of it. But one of our listeners here in Central Texas uh, reached out last night and was talking to me about an experience that they had had. And it was the same scenario as what I talked about with the blue hive on top of the hotel it had so many mites inside the colony that you couldn't look at a bee without seeing a mite. And when they went through and did the mite check, this this right here just absolutely blew my mind. There were over 80 mites wow. in the sample that they did for the check. And there's 300 bees in a sample. <laughs> that is a lot of freaking mites. Usually... You know, when you've got the 300 mites in there, kind of anything over like six mites is kind of not acceptable. 80 mites is absolutely terrifying. So that is uh, that is something that is just, it's absolutely crazy. But so again, it can happen. And, you know, that would be signs of a colony and a specific genetic line that does not know how to handle mites. Mm-hmm. And, and in the case of the blue hive at the hotel, like it ultimately did crash. And in the case of this other hive that we're talking about, it ultimately is crashing. Um, they are currently going through and doing emergency procedures to try and save it, which I also did to the blue hive and it ultimately didn't work and it, it just, it's done, it's gone, right? Um, and they're, they're kind of going through that same process now. So that would be a strain of, of bees that if you're looking at it from a natural beekeeping perspective, or if you're following like a less Crowder method, that colony should not be allowed to live because their genetics are not going to help anybody. If they spread those genetics to other colonies, um, you're spreading attributes that are not as good at being varroa sensitive and being hygienic and being able to if not remove the mites to some degree, at least being able to somehow compensate and coexist with them to where the colony still stays strong, even though the mite counts are a little bit higher than they should be. 80 mites is is absolutely unacceptable. So, yeah, that, is, that happened. <laughs> That's a thing. Um, and when I said stop, I didn't mean stop beekeeping. I meant you're going to stop gathering hives before you got to 50. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, let me <laughs> see. When you start talking, you make me start thinking. Now, on this bunch that I got those two hives from, uh, he tells how he makes his his uh, brood mix or his brood builder. And I told you what he does. He puts... Uh, he uses tea tree oil, uh, peppermint oil, and wintergreen oil. And it's, yeah, and you said Those that's all, way too much. Uh huh. But yet Those his are bees all, are going crazy. Those are all things that are designed to 
they're not like wintergreen is not something that will stimulate your colony and it is not something that is like wintergreen is actually toxic it's caustic in high volumes it can be harmful and that was one of the things that i was like yeah you better be careful on that one um but wintergreen peppermint and tea tree are the peppermint is okay that out of the the mix of those peppermint is okay tea tree in a higher volume can actually cause your bees to abscond um and the wintergreen can as well they're extremely potent on their smells and they're used honestly not as a supplement for a health benefit for the bees they're used as a combative agent against mites and again if it hurts a mite in a large enough quantity it can hurt a bee because they're yeah, both insects both of them and so the wintergreen can kill a mite if it actually like there's a there's a sugar roll that you can make that I did the very first year I was doing beekeeping because I was paranoid about everything like all of us are when we first get started and you can go through and you can make this sugar roll that is basically the main components of it are sugar and coconut oil that is solidified and you go through and you mix these together and you put a small amount not a lot but a small amount of wintergreen in there and the bees one want to get rid of it so it's not that they're eating it they're literally trying to remove it from the colony and as they do so they go through and they get the oil and the grease all over them which carries some of that wintergreen oil and then since how the bee is coated in it, they've got to clean themselves and they clean the other bees and it spreads throughout the colony. And then if it comes into contact with a mite, it actually kills the mite. So they say, right? That is the reason that people go through and they use the wintergreen. But otherwise, wintergreen is something that should have a hazard warning on it. It's not something you want to use. And it's definitely one of those scenarios where uh, less is more. You don't want to go overboard on it. Like, oh, well, if a drop does great, I'm going to put in a tablespoon and then your colony dies. So people should be very careful when they go through and they do things like that. And when I make my mixture, because you were talking about like the brood builder, which is, I'm assuming it's the supplement that he's adding into his sugar syrup to feed the bees. Right. That's what it is. Yep. Okay. So when I go through and I make mine... I, I ventured away eventually from the essential oils and I started making teas instead of using the essential oil because the essential oil, again, it is, it's caustic in a way. And if you're using like, say a plastic blender to go through and make these mixtures, mm -hmm. the essential oils literally eat gouges and etches into the plastic to the point where the plastic is cloudy or even opaque. Um, because of the essential oils it's no longer clear and that's what's doing that so when i would go through and do it i would put in small amounts and we're talking like i'm making say i'm making a quart of my solution that quart is going to have just a few drops of this and a couple of drops of that and maybe one drop of this and maybe five drops of that and that's it drops like drip 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 done mm -hmm. that is then emulsified and blended down into my quart and then from my court, I only take a tablespoon to put into a gallon of feed. Mm -hmm. So it is super, super, super concentrated to make it, even though it's only a few drops. And then it is super, super, super diluted when you feed it. And that's how that should be done. If you don't emulsify it, the oils can actually, if they come in direct contact with the bee, they'll kill the bee. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there, it is. It is definitely not something that I would advocate for. Okay. Um, it is something that should be done very cautiously, and definitely follow the directions and make sure that the source you're getting it from is a reliable source because some of them people out there on YouTube aren't reliable sources. <laughs> YouTube's the devil. But YouTube and Facebook are the devil. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that's just kind of the, the long and the short of that. But anyhow, the uh, switching gears here real quick, because we are all kinds of running out of time. Um, one of the things that everybody should be cognizant of is that it is the end of June, and the technically when this episode comes out, it will be the last week of June. And because of that, for some areas of the world, well, in the United States, other areas of the world, you guys are in the middle of winter, so um, you don't have to worry about this. But for us in the United States, the nectar flows are coming to an end. But that means harvest time is coming up. And there are a few key little points that I wanted to just kind of hint at here real quick, and then we'll do another episode. We're actually going to do a few episodes in July that are going to be about harvesting your honey and some other aspects that go along with that. But one of the things that I wanted to say is, number one, if you do not have a refractometer, you should get one. A refractometer is how you check the moisture content versus the sugar content in a solution of liquid. And you want to go through there. If you look specifically at beekeeping supply places and put in refractometer, you'll find one that is made to do honey that will work really well. But they have, uh, I think the cheapest version out there is somewhere between $55 and $75, or at least it used to be. It acts kind of like a periscope. Um, you just hold it up to your eye and look through it. But you put a drop of honey on the end of it, and then you smash this plastic plate down over the top of it until that honey is thin and spread out all the way across the lens. And then you hold it up to the light, and you look through the end of the periscope. And when you're looking in there, it'll show you this blue line. And the blue is the water, and then the white below it is not. That's the solid. And you need to go out and test your honey before you do an extraction, number one, go test your honey before you ever even pull it from the hive to make sure the moisture content is at the very minimum below 19%. It needs to be below 18.6, preferably below 18, to know that it's going to be perfectly stable. So before you rush out and harvest your honey, get yourself a refractometer and go test your honey. Poke a little hole in the cell, pull some honey out, put it on the refractometer, smash it down, look at it. If this, the moisture content is like 20%, do not harvest your honey yet. It's not time. Let them continue heating and dehydrating things. Also, if you go out and you look at your hives and your frames are 50-50, one side solid capped, one side's completely open nectar, do not harvest your honey. If you go out and you look at your hives and you pull out a frame and the whole top section is capped honey, but the middle is capped brood, do not harvest your honey. Put it all back together. Give them a couple of more weeks. There is no rush, right? If you've got four boxes on there and two of them are solid honey, you get two boxes of honey because that third box down is theirs and then the brood box, right? So you're going to get your honey. It's not going to magically disappear if you don't harvest it tomorrow. If you wait for two weeks or three weeks, it's still going to be there. And ultimately, if for some reason it did disappear, your colony needed it more than you did. 
So don't be selfish in that regard. But also don't be impulsive. Don't go out there and don't harvest your honey immediately if it's not ready to be harvested. Yes, you could harvest one box at a time, but trust me, cleaning up an extractor is a pain in the butt. And you don't want to have to clean that sucker every single week. It's way better to just wait, pull it all at once, and extract it all at once, and then clean it all up one time and be good with it. So I did want to put that out there for everybody just as an FYI. It is coming time where honey extraction is going to be feasible. Now, there are some parts of the U.S. where they've already done extractions, and that is sometimes perfectly valid depending on your area and the climate. You may have been getting nectar in, you know, April and May when we really didn't start getting any until May. And that nectar may have already been dehydrated and capped and you may have done your due diligence and checked it and the moisture content was low enough and you extracted it. And that is perfectly fine. But there are other regions that are still slowly catching up, especially as you move north. So just be cognizant of that. And, uh, and go through and don't feel like, you know, because one of the things is we have that whole July 4th thing around here where people misconstrue it as you must harvest your honey on July 4th. And that's not the case. It is that by the time July 4th hits, we're usually starting our summer dearth, which means there is no more nectar going to be available. So that's when you need to start watching to see when your honey is fully ripe and ready to go. It doesn't mean you need to do it on that day. That's just your calendar reminder that now you need to start watching for this next cycle, which could lead to the honey harvest. So just wanted to put that out there as a PSA for everybody. And uh, hopefully we all do get some honey this year and it, that would be wonderful, uh, especially, you know, if everybody's been following along since year one and this is your second year of beekeeping. I definitely hope you all get honey this year. That would be great. But we will have more episodes in July where we'll go through and we will talk about a honey harvest. And on next Monday, which will be the first Monday in July, we have a very special interview with Hives for Heroes, and they're an amazing organization, and I would appeal to all of you to make sure to tune into that and listen and pay close attention because it may help you and it may help somebody that you know. There's a lot of opportunity in there to go through and do some good, not just for bees, but for humanity and veterans and anybody who's done any type of military service, anybody who may have had PTSD, um, I, I would definitely say make sure you catch that episode and listen to it. So that is all for today. Uh, thank you all very much for joining in. Happy belated birthday again, Mr. Ken. Uh, people, uh, y'all buy me 50-pound bags of ultra beef. That's what I need for my birthday. <laughs> I already ordered two, so I don't need none. I got them coming. You're uh, you're you're planning for fall already, huh? Uh, Man Lake had them on too good a deal. Didn't you see it? Uh huh. No, I try not to look at things when I don't need them. I uh, don't need them, but when you can save twenty seven dollars for fifty pounds, I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're gonna go ahead and. We're going to go ahead and schedule that first appointment with the impulse control specialist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, anyhow, everybody, thank you again for joining us. We truly appreciate every each and every one of you out there. Um, thank you so much for being part of the family and for being Hive Jive Junkies and for making this a fun and exciting show for us to do for you guys because 
it truly is all about you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. And I'm sorry y'all's bath y'all's commodes go the wrong direction down there down south. So and y'all have be happy and best stay safe, stay healthy, and be good family. There you go. Be good everybody. Be safe. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.